This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. Volume 17, Number 5, from May of 1939. The Unknown Mason. Written by Brother Carl H. Claudie. In 1932, the master of a large lodge in the East asked his brethren, through the monthly bulletin, to go to a certain photographer and have their pictures made. Of those who responded, 152 in number, the photographer made the usual portrait, but in addition, of each he made a full-face picture, all so focused that the distance apart of the eyes was uniform in the 152 full-face portraits. The photographer then printed these 152 negatives, one on top of the other, on a single sheet of paper, thus making a composite picture. The result is an incredible face which forms the center of this bulletin, a face the character and unusual beauty of which have such far-reaching implications that one needs to go deeper than science, further than philosophy, to find an adequate explanation. Benignity, thoughtfulness, education, gentleness, strength, refinement, honor, honesty, and trustworthiness— in one word, high character, are unmistakable in the face of this Master Mason, who never lived as an individual upon this earth. An unsuccessful attempt was made to provide him with a composite of all the names of those who form his face. In mentioning this difficulty at home, the wife of the master of this lodge made the brilliant suggestion that, in the absence of a name, and in face of mystery and every charm, the picture be called The Unknown Mason. With poignant memories of that unknown soldier who lies at Arlington, representative of all soldiers who died for the flag in the Great War, it seems highly appropriate that this brother, representative of all brethren who have lived their Freemasonry, who have lived for Freemasonry, be called The Unknown Mason, and The Unknown Mason he was named. Composite photography had its beginnings in 1877, when Francis Galton, great British scientist, devised the process as an aid to the determination of certain human characteristics. He set forth this process and his conclusions in his book, Inquiries into Human Faculty, first published in 1883. From this work, the following paragraphs, germane to the making of the portrait of the unknown Mason, are taken. Quote, Having obtained drawings or photographs of several persons alike in most respects, but differing in minor details, what sure method is there of extracting the typical characteristics from them? My own idea was to throw faint images of the several photographs in succession upon the same sensitive plate. The photographic process enables us to obtain with mechanical precision a generalized picture one that represents no man in particular, 
but portrays an imaginary figure possessing the average features of any given group of men. These ideal faces have a surprising air of reality. Nobody who glanced at one of them for the first time would doubt it being the likeness of a living person. Yet, as I have said, it is no such thing. It is the portrait of a type and not of an individual. A composite portrait represents the picture that would rise before the mind's eye of a man who had the gift of pictorial imagination in an exalted degree. But the imaginative power even of the highest artists is far from precise and is so apt to be biased by special cases that may have struck their fancies that no two artists agree in any one of their typical forms. The merit of the photographic composite is its mechanical precision, being subject to no more errors beyond those incidental to all photographic productions. The blended result will always have a curious air of individuality and will be unexpectedly well-defined. It will exactly resemble none of its components, but it will have a sort of family likeness to all of them, and it will be an ideal and averaged portrait. The effect of composite portraiture is to bring into evidence all the traits in which there is agreement, and to leave but a ghost of a trace of individual peculiarities. There are so many traits in common to combine and reinforce one another that they prevail to the exclusion of the rest. All that is common remains. All that is individual tends to disappear. End of quote. In that statement will be found the reason for considering this portrait of a man who never was such an extraordinary exhibit. All that is common remains. What was common about the 152? Not race, not religion, not profession, not age, not education. The only common factor was their mutual Freemasonry. What remains, then, in this face is the Freemasonry in the faces of those who compose it. It is a commonplace of everyday experience that, to some extent, character is written upon the face. We may discredit the pseudoscience of phrenology and its near kin, character reading by physiognomy, as we will, but everyone unconsciously at first forms judgment of those he meets by what is to be read in the face. The law of averages operates with inevitable sureness here as elsewhere. The greatest thinker, the most charitable philanthropist, the musician of the highest attainments, may be an individual with a weak chin, pendulous lower lip, receding forehead, narrow eyes, and a mean expression. In the condemned cell, the arch-criminal of all time may be a perfect specimen of manly beauty, with a high forehead, beautiful mouth, and honest eyes. Yet, the fact remains that of ten thousand males, all with weak chins, narrow eyes, and receding foreheads, a far greater number will be of the criminal type than can be found among ten thousand men with firm chins, widely set eyes, and high foreheads. Accident of birth? Accidents in babyhood? Improper nourishment? Environment? Climate? All may and often do largely affect physical appearance.
But in the long run, manly beauty means a manly character, and shriveled and distorted features, not caused by age, in a large average denote shrunken souls. Let him who can find human faults in the face of the unknown mason. You shall search with microscope and find within these features only that which is highest and best in the fleshly delineation of the soul behind. Nor think the uncanny result is to be credited to the skilled retoucher's pencil. Because twelve of the hundred fifty-two sitters were dressed in dinner clothes, the unknown mason's cross-tie was more prominent than the hodgepodge of foreign hands. It was easier to remove these and leave the black tie than to take out the black tie and leave a four-in-hand bow tie. The shoulder line has been sharpened. The unknown mason was given a slight haircut. The ears were made a little more distinct. The necessary catchlight was put in each eye, and that is all. Thirty-four of the brethren wore glasses. Hence the unknown mason wears a shadowy, vague pair of spectacles. A very few had beards and mustaches. Careful inspection of the lighter side of the face will disclose a slight down, a vagueness, a nebulosity, which is beard. The oldest man in the picture was ninety-one years of age. The youngest man in the unknown mason was twenty-five years of age. The average age of all the hundred and fifty-two is forty-nine although to most beholders the unknown mason appears younger. No matter how any man may love his mother lodge, common sense must agree that in all probability she is but one among the sisterhood of lodges, no more distinguished than a thousand others, just an average lodge. There are some 16,000 lodges in the United States. A few stand out for one reason or another above all others. St. Cecile of New York, for the way professional actors put on her degrees. Palestine of Detroit, for her size. Ivanhoe of Kansas City, Missouri, for her multitudinous interests and marvelous facilities. St. John's of Boston, for being first. Fredericksburg of Virginia, for being Washington's Mother Lodge. Alexandria, Washington, for being the lodge of which the first president was master. American Union, Marietta, Ohio, for its revolutionary ancestry, and so on. Others have local fame and name. Still others are entirely undistinguished as far as the Masonic world is concerned, but are no less dear to their sons than are those with far-flung reputations. From the standpoint of an impartial judge with no sentimental affection, the lodge from which came the unknown mason must be considered as but one among many. She has never been an exclusive silk-stocking lodge. She is very democratic, welcoming of good men and true to her fellowship, regardless of their walks in life. Banker and bricklayer, lawyer and laundry driver, merchant and mortician, professor and painter, scientist and storekeeper, the high and the low, the rich and the poor, the well-educated and those with but a common school background, there meet upon the level and part upon the square. This is of importance as far as this chronicle is concerned, 
Obviously, if this lodge could be shown to be made up entirely of superior citizens, men of unusual caliber and attainments, a cross-section should also show superior qualities. But if that lodge is just a lodge among lodges, as good as the average, better than the worst, not so successful as the best, not especially distinguished among her sisterhood of 16,000, and still her cross-section shows that which is decidedly unusual, then, indeed, is there reason to hunt for the underlying cause of the character-building force of the craft? The majority of lodge members may be divided into the actives and the passives, those who work and those who either come and go without effort for their lodge or who seldom or never come. The 152 brethren of this lodge who took the time and trouble to go to the photographer to be pictured at the request of the master, without the inspiration of knowing what was planned, are the active, hard-working, interested 15% of their lodge. They are the officers, the fellowcraft team, the brethren who go on foot and out of their way to visit the sick and help the needy, the constant attendants, the brethren who serve on committees and turn out for funerals, in other words, the brethren of the ancient craft who work at it. In examining the portrait which is the center of this bulletin, remember that it is not the merging one into another of 152 superlative brethren of a lodge of great renown and world-famous accomplishments. The unknown Masons' 152 blood brothers are average members of an average lodge, and that fact is his glory. The unknown Mason is the outward and visible evidence of the inward and spiritual work which Freemasonry accomplished in these 152 hearts. The men whose faces have made the face of the unknown Mason are brethren whom the Lodge and the Fraternity have taught to teach themselves of the great architect. Agreed that in all probability the majority of them have never mused upon the thought. The flower does not know of its beauty. The cat has no thought of its grace. The brave man saves a life at the risk of his own with no thought that his act may be an inspiration. We do not give charity with the idea of public applause. Yet, the beauty, the grace, the inspiration, the pity exist. So with these brethren. Consciously, they may have thought little or nothing of the inner teachings which Freemasonry impressed upon their minds and hearts. But the impress is there. It shows in each face a little, and in the unknown Mason's face, in which good is piled on good while evil is cancelled out, it shines with a glow which is not of the earth, earthy, but of that land of the inner spirit where a man may not only tell himself unashamed of that God in whom he believes, but may, perchance, in his quiet hours alone, even feel that with the great architect he is face to face. Gutzon Borglum, the famous sculptor and ardent Freemason, asked how he carved stone into beautiful statues, once said, It's very simple. I merely knock away with hammer and chisel the stone I don't need, and the statue appears. It was there all the time. 
At the moment, Brother Borglum is carving from the living rock of Mount Rushmore, in the Black Hills of South Dakota, the heads of four great Americans, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt. Two of them were Freemasons. Out of the stone of the mountain they come, these gigantic faces, little by little as the artist wears away the stone he does not need, bringing to light the statue which was there all the time. I, which was there when the titanic forces of the prehistoric sea lifted the mountains above the ocean, and eon piled on eon solidified the ooze and slime into rock. From the beginning, there has been a beautiful statue within every stone in all the world. Thousands have been brought to light. Millions yet to be carved await the art of the sculptor. From the beginning, in every man is the perfect ashlar. The great light assures us that man is made in the image of God. And again, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Within every rough ashlar is a perfect ashlar, needing only the skill of the workman to bring it to light. Within every brother is an unknown mason, his virtues concealed by his humanity, his perfections hidden by his faults. Invisible to men, he is seen only by the great architect of the universe. Yet, by the marvelous resources of science and art, we have his picture, the unknown mason. There is a supposedly scientific explanation for the fact that composite portraits are of better appearance than that of any of their individual components. To the scientist, this explanation is doubtless completely satisfactory. But those who look and look again at this unearthly face are seldom able to accept the scientific explanation as sufficient for all that is to be seen in this portrait. The 152 had but one factor in common, their Freemasonry. Each one of the 152 was thinking of his Freemasonry when his component part photograph was made. The fact which seems so amazing at first sight, that the vices of the 152 have canceled each other, while the virtues have become cumulative, becomes less a wonder if it is considered that the unknown Mason is far less a composite portrait of one lodge than of Masons in the large, than of the Masonic character which a living man might win and wear, did he in completeness follow all the Masonic teachings. None of the 152 is a perfect man or a perfect Mason. To the Christian, there was but one perfect man, and he was crucified 1,900 years ago. But there is so much more of perfect Ashler than of rough in these parts of the whole, that the whole is as nearly perfect as a human face may be and still be human. The unknown Mason is a portrait of the real perfect Ashler, to bring which to light is the Masonic task laid upon all Freemasons. It is as if some fairy wand had been waved over these 152 members of the Lodge, magically doing away with human faults and permitting only the divine to shine forth. Few brethren can look unmoved on this creation of art and science, observing that the beautiful lights of virtue which illuminate it 
were more powerful than the shadows of evil and wrong and hidden wickedness, which all of us poor, faulty humans try to conceal from ourselves, our fellow men, and even, witless though the attempts may be, from the all-seeing eye. Freemasonry points out a road to travel and puts in the traveler's hand a staff with which to support his footsteps. For a little space we go forward up the hill. Then we turn down on the western side. In all reverence, the spiritual face of the unknown Mason seems a guarantee that the journey is not in vain, the road not an aimless path, the staff not a broken reed. At the last, few of us could ask more than to have the hand of such a one as the unknown Mason upon our shoulder when the shadows fall. This has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853. 